Ron's not out of the woods yet. Uh, there's a heart surgery that's pending, and um, so uh, keep Ron and Judy both and the whole family in your prayers, but it's good to get to this point and be done with the chemo and, uh, and all of that, so we're so glad for you. We're, we're grateful. We're rejoicing. We're praying for you, for you both, and uh, amen. Praise God, right? There is healing, and we, we celebrate that today. So Today we get to continue our sermon series on the Gospel of Mark. When Kingdoms Collide, and today we're up to Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, and in my Bible, the section is entitled, A Dead Girl and a Sick Woman, and uh, for anybody who's ever struggled in your faith, uh, for anybody who's ever wondered if God was listening to your prayers, anybody who's ever had to wait on God for a kind of healing, uh, for relief of any kind. Uh, this scripture is for you today. Mark intertwines two stories together. We'll pick it up in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 and following. I invite you to follow along. You can turn in your own Bible, the Pew Bible. The words are on the screen, whatever you like. Hear the word of God. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at Jesus. After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha ka'um, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. 
Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. Jesus gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them, give her something to eat. Let's pray. Oh Lord, come. Nobody came here to hear me speak. Nobody came here just to sing songs. We came to hear from you, oh Lord. So meet us here in this place, we pray. Oh, how we need to touch you, to touch the divine. Lord, how we need you. Would you come and speak to us? Would you be close? Would you open our ears? Would you focus our minds? Would you still our lips and our bodies so that we might not miss what it is that you are saying to us today? Come, Lord Jesus, come. We pray it in your holy name. Amen. Friends, do you have a kind of a soft side to your personality? Uh, do people, or, or do maybe people know you as kind of hard and callous and, you know, kind of uh, just forceful, or maybe there's, you know, this kind of tender side to you. There was a man and a woman who were on their honeymoon and after a long and very happy courtship. And on their honeymoon, they decide to take their horses through the beautiful mountain passes of Europe. As the horses were crossing a small stream, the woman's horse missteps and jostles the man's wife. Once across the stream, the man is upset. He dismounts. He goes over to his wife's horse and he stares into the horse's eyes. Finally, he says, that's one to the horse. The man remounts his horse, and they continue on their ride. A bit further down the path, the woman's horse stumbles again when stepping over a fallen tree. Once again, the husband dismounts his horse, and he goes over to the horse that his, hus- that his wife is riding, and he stares it in the eyes, and he boldly states to the horse, that's two. He then returns to his saddle, and they move on. As the afternoon sun began to set, the woman's horse once again lost its footing on a mossy slope a third time. The man dismounts, moves over to his wife's horse, helps his wife out of the saddle, and then the man, moving to the front of the horse, stares again into its eyes and firmly says, that's three. He removes a pistol from his vest and he shoots the horse dead. His wife is upset. She's crying. She's filled with tears. And she says, this beautiful horse that her husband had just killed right in front of her, she says to her husband, that's terrible. Why? Why would you do such a thing? And the man man stares at his wife, looks into her eyes and says, that's one. Hopefully, we all have a little more compassion than that, right? Come on, we're Grace Church. We wouldn't do that. But today's question is, does Jesus have compassion? 
Is there a more softer human side of Jesus that we sometimes forget? So far in the Gospel of Mark, we've seen that Jesus can preach a good sermon. He can calm the storms. He can cast out demons. We've even seen Jesus rise from the dead on Easter morning. But does Jesus care about the more mundane needs and concerns of ordinary people like you and me? Today's story from Mark clearly answers this question. Let me ask you this. Anybody here ever struggle with sickness, chronic pain, cancer? Huh? Yeah, some of you have. Some of you have battled ongoing illnesses, and maybe it's arthritis or Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. Maybe you have an ongoing issue of some sort in your body that you can't seem to shake, or, or maybe you are dealing with the effects of an old accident or injury. And now let me ask you, is there anybody here confronted with death recently? Right within our congregation, it seems that this happens. Maybe it was a spouse or a child or a loved one, or perhaps you are grieving today and grieving deeply. Maybe it's your own mortality that you are coming face to face with as, as you grow older. If so, and if you've ever wondered whether or not Jesus cares about you in your particular situation, today's story from Mark was written for you. It's a story about a woman who is chronically ill 12 years and a dead girl, a family who lost their child to sickness. And today Jesus addresses the more ordinary woes of human existence. Today we see a very human side, a softer side, a compassionate side to Jesus, not like the man in the story. What do we learn from these two stories that Mark intertwines? At least three things. I invite you to take out your outline. Feel free to fill it in if you like as we go. The first thing we learn is this. Jesus is patient. Just say it with me. Jesus is patient. How many of you know that God is never in a hurry? Much to our chagrin, right? We live in an instant society. We like things now. We want to be fast. We have instant coffee, instant cash, instant milk, instant potatoes. Fast food, fast cars, fast phones, faster download speeds. We don't like to wait for anything or anyone. And yet, God is never in a hurry. Have you noticed? Perhaps this is never more clearly illustrated than in today's passage. Jesus has just made the journey back across the lake, back to the region of Galilee. Remember last week we saw him in the Decapolis, in the Gerasenes area, in the Gentile region. Now he has returned back across the Sea of Galilee into the region of Galilee. And he is immediately there, approached by Jairus, a synagogue ruler, a man of respect and authority, who pleads with Jesus to come to his house and to heal his little daughter who is sick and dying and just 12 years old. And maybe you have had a child who was sick, and you wondered, will that child even make it? 
And you know the desperation as a parent that this man felt. Jairus has faith that Jesus can heal his daughter. And Jesus agrees. He concedes to Jairus to go to his home to see this girl, his daughter, who is sick and dying. But just then, there's an interruption in the story. Mark intertwines another story in the midst of this one. As they are pressing through the crowd, says Mark, Jesus feels healing power go out of him. I don't know if he's like kind of zapped or what, you know, but all of a sudden he feels the power go out of him. And it turns out that there is a woman who had been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years, snuck up to touch the hem of Jesus' robe, pushing her way through the crowd of people. No one sees her do this. Verse 26 tells us that she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Anybody relate to that? You get your doctor's bills, you're paying out money after money, you're seeing doctors and and therapists and specialists, and it seems like nothing is changing. I'm not getting any better. That was this woman's story. But she thought, if I can just touch Jesus' clothes, I will be healed. And she does, and she is. She kind of steals her healing, if you will. And verse 29 tells us that immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. She felt it. And at this point, realizing that the power had gone out of him, Jesus turns around and he asks, "'Who touched my clothes?' Now, the disciples think Jesus is absolutely absurd for even asking this question. Jesus, we're in the midst of a crowd here. We're getting pushed and bumped and jostled through here. Everybody's touching you, and you can ask, who touched me? Come on, Jesus. But Jesus doesn't give up. He says, no, somebody did touch me. And he kept looking around to see who had done it. At this point, I think the woman is getting a little nervous. She knows that Jesus is on to her. She's going to be found out. Apparently, he knew somehow that that I had touched the hem of his his robe. And, And so she comes back to Jesus, and she makes herself known. She falls at his feet, and she fesses up and tells him the whole story, the whole truth. Jesus, it was me. I, I touched you. I'm the one. But Jesus isn't angry. Instead, he commends her. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering, he says. And now we're back to story one. This is all the inner, this is the story in the middle of the story. And now back to the other story. While Jesus is still speaking to the woman, men from Jairus' home arrive and they say, uh, there's no need to bother the teacher anymore, Jairus. For your daughter has died. She's dead. It's too late. And for anybody here who's ever gotten the news that your child, your son, your daughter is dead, you know what that is like, and your heart sinks and your world stops. You can imagine what Jairus might have thought or felt in that moment. too late. Maybe he was mad at Jesus for a moment. 
Jesus, if you hadn't taken time out for this woman, this ritually unclean woman who's bleeding, don't, and, and, and Jesus, I'm a, I'm a synagogue ruler. My name is Jairus. Please, Jesus, you should have, you should have hurried on. To, I knew this was, I was afraid this would happen. It's too late. And the point is that both Jairus and the woman had to be patient with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is patient. He's not in a hurry here, is he? We'd like him to be. Jesus, come on, hurry up. The daughter's dying. To, you can feel the suspense kind of build, and, and now they, they say she's dead, and it, it heightens the plot. The woman waited 12 years to be healed for her encounter with Jesus. Jarius had to wait for Jesus attending to this woman uh, before he would continue on to his house. And I think about this story, and I think about the ama- how, how amazing ministry happens in the interruptions of life. That those things that we might perceive as interruptions or distractions when people call or stop in or drop by or whatever it might be, those things that seem inconvenient and they aren't on the schedule, they're not on the agenda and some of the phone rings and somebody, that it's in those moments that ministry happens. Sometimes the best ministry happens in those moments. I have to catch myself. I'm type A. You know that. I'm in the office. I'm working away. I'm preparing a message or preparing for a small group or a youth leaders meeting or trying to do correspondence and trying to keep up with the demands of the week. And, and the phone rings. And, you know, it'd be nice if my, oh, great, I get to help somebody. Hello, how may I help you today? It's like, oh, you know. So, no, not, it's not exact. Sorry, true confessions. I know that you could fire me as your pastor. It's like, I'm, I'm not always there, okay? I'm like, oh, you know, another, you know, it's, it's, I'm trying to get something done here. But it usually only takes a few minutes. It doesn't usually take a long time. But it's amazing how God can use you to meet people's needs in those moments. So, so just as kind of an aside, just kind of be reminded today of how interruptions can actually be a new opportunity for ministry and to really help somebody in their time of need. Jesus is patient. He's never in a hurry. God's got this. It's in his hands. Jesus isn't feeling the pressure of time constraints. He's not feeling the urgency that you and I face every day in our schedules and we've got to get this done. And if I, you know, Jesus is led by the Spirit of God. Sometimes we feel it's not happening as fast as we want it to. We feel that maybe God has forgotten about us. He's not answering my prayers. God isn't listening to me. God is too late. God, you arrived on the scene and it's too late now. It's done. It's over. Just know that Jesus is patient, but he sees your needs. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God makes everything beautiful. Say it with me. Everything beautiful in its time. 
You see, we operate on chronos time according to, the, to calendars and, and, and schedules and weeks and days and hours and minutes and seconds, and, 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 and that's how we measure time on planet Earth. But God doesn't live on planet Earth. God is outside of time. He, he doesn't see time like God's time is kairos time, the right time. May we live more in kairos time than in chronos time. Jesus is patient. I think Mark wants us to see that. Number two, I think Mark wants us to see that Jesus is powerful. Say it with me. Jesus is powerful. Maybe for those of you who struggle with health issues, for those of you who have faced death recently, you know these are not pleasant times. I've struggled with back pain for most of my adult life, probably since I was in my 20s or so. Maybe you too have chronic pain, a health struggle, an issue, fatigue, depression, arthritis, bursitis. I had a college buddy whose name was Dwayne-itis. No kidding, that was his name, Dwayne-itis. He said, when I get married and have kids, if I have a son, I'm going to name him Arthur. If I have a daughter, I'm going to name her Bursa. I don't know if that ever happened or not. We kind of lost touch after college, but it'd be interesting to run into him. He was from northwest Iowa someplace, so maybe, maybe some of you know him. I don't know. You know, there are times in our lives where um, we're dealing with things that are really hard, and they're persistent, and there may be a chronic issue of pain or whatever. Maybe it's the death of someone, that a loved one, that you have a hard time coping with or dealing with. Maybe it's your own child, family member, good friend, a spouse, mom or dad, grandma or grandpa, aunt or an uncle. Maybe you're facing your own mortality today. Whether you have physical issues that are chronic or you experience the loss of a loved one, today's passage is for you. Jesus wants you to see that he is all-powerful. Even when that power comes at a long shot, Say, well, Jesus, I, you know, I believe for this, but this is way out of your league. No, nothing is out of God's league. He can do it. The question is, do we have faith? Do we believe it? Jesus compliments this woman for her faith. Your faith has healed you, he says to her. In the case of Jairus' daughter, it appeared like it was too late. Don't bother Jesus anymore, Jairus. Your daughter is dead. And but then Jesus says to Jairus, just believe. Just believe. She's only sleeping, which to everybody else just seemed crazy. But you know what? Death, which seems so permanent and final to us, is really but sleep to Jesus, to God. They're just sleeping. They're having a rest. Give them a rest. It's been a hard life. Let them rest. Jesus will wake them. He'll wake them like he, like he woke this little girl. Little girl, I say to you, get up, and she does. And here's the point that I want to make for you today, especially that I think Mark wants to make, and that is that it's never too late. It's never too late for you. It's never too late for your healing. It's never too late for Jesus. 
And whatever you may be facing today and whatever may be weighing heavy on your heart or your mind even now, God's got this. It may feel like he's not showing up in time. You want it to happen and happen now. But Jesus is patient. And he's also powerful. And he can do something about it. And he will. You may have suffered with chronic issue. You may have exhausted all of your resources on doctors and therapies and medications. And like this woman, you may be at the end of your rope and it feels like a long shot. A few weeks ago, there was um, a horse that suddenly came to the forefront of the news. You know his name? Rich Strike. Did you see that? The running of the Kentucky Derby? Who had ever heard of Rich Strike, right? Nobody had heard of this horse, this, this kind of little horse. And he came from, from out of nowhere and came out of the back of the pack. And the odds were what? Do you remember that? 80 to 1. And he won. He won. He came out and he beat those favorite horses. It was a long shot. It was against all odds. And I think today God is saying, friends, against all odds, I am still powerful. Be patient with me because I am patient, but against all odds, I can and I will move in your life at the Kairos time, at the right time. So in the meantime, have faith. Believe. Don't give up. Yeah, not all deaths in this world will result in a resurrection. Not all sickness is going to be cured in this life. We know that. People and loved ones do die, and it's tragic, and it's hurtful and sad. But we are not without hope. Jesus is showing that there is a power beyond that which you can now see. There is a life beyond this one. There is more than meets the eye. So don't give up. Don't be afraid. Believe, says Jesus. Because if you don't, what's left? despair. Your healing and miracle may not come in this life, but you'll never know if you stop believing already. I know this for sure. I'm never going to give up praying for my back to be healed until it's healed or until I die, but I'm never giving up. I will continue to pray that way. Jesus' power knows no bounds. He is still King and Lord of all. He is still on the throne. Amen? Jesus is patient. Jesus is powerful. And thirdly, I think what Mark would want us to see today is that Jesus is personal. Just say it with me. Jesus is personal. And maybe this is the best news of all. As I've said, we know that Jesus can preach good sermons. He can calm the storms of nature. He can cast out demons. He can rise from the dead. But does he care for our ordinary human daily concerns? The answer is yes. He cares for ordinary people like you and me too. Our struggles, your day-to-day concerns. There is no concern or issue that is too small that God is not concerned about with you. Notice how personally Jesus ministers first to the woman and then to Jairus. To the woman... He, he could have just kind of kept going. I mean, after he was zzz, zapped, you know, the power went out of him. He could have just, oh, 
somebody got a healing today. Come on, we better get to Jairus' house. We better get out. No, he, does, he takes time to do what? To seek out this woman. He takes time to seek her out. To see her in the eye. To say, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go and be freed from your suffering. And you know the word here, healing, in the original Greek, and I've shared this with you before, you probably know it already, it's the Greek word sozo. Sounds like a laundry detergent, you know, like sudzol or something, you know. Not sudzol, sozo. It's a Greek word, but it means healing. It means well-being. It means shalom and peace. And it means salvation. There's a lot packed up in that little word sozo. That's the word that's used here. It's as if this woman came to Jesus for a healing and Jesus gave her salvation for all eternity. Isn't that how our God works beyond what we can think or imagine? He always blesses us way beyond what we can even imagine, even what we deserve. Praise God. In the resurrection of Jairus' daughter, Jesus raises her from the dead, and then what does he say? Hey, give her something to eat. Somebody run to McDonald's over there in Jerusalem because she's hungry. Get her a happy meal. You know, this is good stuff. I mean, you know, this, she's, it's a very human. Do you see that, friends? It's a very human, tender, soft side of Jesus. He's concerned about these, even what seems little things. And so he is concerned with you and your life and all of the details of your life. Matthew 10.30 says, even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. <laughs> what love. That's right. We make it easy for God. He doesn't have to count that high, you know, with people like me, right? So Paul said in Philippians 4.19 that my God will meet all of your needs according to what? His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And again, I'm saying that there's nothing too small, whether it's that insurance claim, whether it's that health issue, whether it's what you do this afternoon, your safety. Jesus has this. He's got it all. And he cares. That's really the good news today. So how's your faith? I think Mark is saying, stir up your faith, O Christian. Find hope again. Because all too often we go through life and we just, our faith becomes a religion, rituals and routines. We say, yeah, I believe. Well, it's an intellectual belief. Even the demons believe in Jesus that way. But do we, do we act in faith? James says, faith without deeds is dead. Are we acting in faith? Um, you go to the grocery store, right? How many go to Hy-Vee? Anybody go to Hy-Vee? Somebody go to Aldi? Okay, how about uh, Fairway? All right, Walmart? It's like, yeah, it's like, where is that in Walmart? It's like, okay, well, it's about a quarter mile down this way and then a half a mile up there and you'll get back to it, you know. But, you know, you go into these stores and um, what happens? There's a door, right? And, you know, they used to have, they have these automatic doors, right? 
You've seen these, right? You know what I'm talking about. They used to have like kind of a mat, a special touch pressure-sensitive mat, and when you walked on it, the door would open. I was always nervous because I was always walking kind of fast. You know, I like to get my work done, my shopping done. I was always nervous if that door was, I was going to smash my face, you know, break a nose or something. On the, Come on, door, open up, you know? So now they put in, for guys like me, they put in the cameras, you know, that's a little bit further away, the motion detector or whatever it is, but it opens up that door. So that when you walk toward that door, like, I don't know about you, I never think that the door is not going to open. I just go and I just, I guess I just trust it. I just take it for granted that the door, as I walk toward it, that door is going to open up. And inside that store is all kinds of wonderful stuff, right? Friends, as you walk forward in your faith, as you walk forward in faith, you need to know that God is going to open doors for you. And you're going to have access to all kinds of wonderful, good stuff. So keep walking. Walk in faith. And know that, that doors, the doors are going to open up. Even if it's a long shot. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today just to say thank you, Lord. We come before you today to just invite you to come and work in our lives. Lord, truth be told, we're short on faith. And Lord, we need you. Oh, Lord, we need you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Oh, God, and just work in our hearts and lives. Refresh and renew. Lord, stir up within us faith again. Forgive us, Lord, for our unbelief. Help us, Lord, to believe, to find fresh faith today. In your holy name we pray it. Amen. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Sing it with us. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. 